I happened to be recording this message on Thanksgiving Day, which turned into a rather nice day. It's quiet where I am, but I'm feeling grateful. Yesterday, a masked and slightly hyper electrician came to my home to solve a problem that he fixed in short order, but not before he told me how Thanksgiving was his favorite holiday. Oh, he went on and on about this. His, his boss wanted him to work Friday, but he told him how important Thanksgiving was to him and he wouldn't be available. You know how people get excited about Christmas, he asked. Well, that's how I feel about Thanksgiving. And that's what he said to his boss. I could tell he was already very excited, almost like a kid. I didn't ask him how he would be celebrating it this year because I wasn't sure I wanted to hear his response under COVID conditions. You know, over the years, I've heard many say that Thanksgiving was their favorite holiday. They cite the general lack of obligation overload. It's accompanied but only by the invitation to consider God's providential care as friends and family gather in grateful and happy reunion. They say it evokes memory, a longing for community, and a chance even for cynics and curmudgeons to acknowledge their various dependencies for the sustaining of their lives. At our Thanksgiving table, we always did the cliché, let's each say a word about something for which we're grateful. Maybe you do that too. It's a little kitschy, I suppose, especially for newcomers, but, but generally everyone gets into the spirit and the words of gratitude are shared and appreciated. If my kids had friends join us over the years, They'd warn them in advance that we did this so they came prepared. I think it's a good discipline. But for all of the hoped-for positive goodwill, Thanksgiving has always seemed an odd holiday to me, as holidays go. Consider, it was established by presidential proclamation to accomplish a spiritual purpose in a land that prides itself on the separation of the state and institutional religion. There's no small tension here, for in truth, who's to say whose God is being addressed in such an undertaking? We're invited to gather for common purpose, but we mustn't be too glib about claiming that underneath it all, everyone really does worship at the same altar. That would diminish rather than strengthen the truthful bonds of our unity. As I mentioned in Faith Matters last Friday, it's useful to remember that when Abraham Lincoln reestablished the practice of summoning the nation to a day of thanksgiving, our country was at the bloody nadir of our protracted civil war, about which Lincoln wrote that parties in the North and the South, quote, both read the same Bible and pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. The prayers of both could not be answered. That of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes." Unquote. Summoning the nation to thanksgiving under those circumstances was a very audacious intervention. In these days of surging pandemic, fractious politics, and general dismay, prayers of every sort are being flung heavenward to win the support of favored outcomes in our land, 
and no doubt for the election just passed. It was the peculiar genius of Lincoln to see the merit in calling the tortured nation to look up from graveyards, hospitals, and rifle barrels aimed at implacable enemies to see a larger purpose and to regain a national bearing in a grander, if not completely transparent, vision. Call it an act of rebellion at humanity's fickle condition, but it was a profoundly mature spiritual idea. At that time, I imagine that pausing for Thanksgiving was a kind of moratorium, even disarmament, if only for a day, to acknowledge that one's prayers are always, always dwarfed by God, who causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike, and that God's purposes are indeed often inscrutable, if paradoxically, everywhere in evidence. In this way, thanksgiving is rooted in humility. No one can express authentic gratitude if it is not wrapped in humility. My Christian heart tells me Jesus favors such a thing, and he doesn't favor it for my sake only. He favors it for the sake of my neighbor and even for my enemy. I'm deeply grateful that our nation provides a non-coercive environment for the free expression of my faith. Having recently been given time to think about it, I find I am actually more thankful than usual this year. This despite the various reasons we have for great agitation arising from the raucous, confused, and dyspeptic national discourse. Oh my, what a mess we've got going on in our national life. I can imagine citizens sending conflicting messages to God that might seem to cancel out their agency if God were keeping count and adding up the numbers. But simply giving humble thanks provides perspective on all this, allows us to accept one another despite our many and sometimes sharp differences, maintains the dignity of each individual and can fashion a common purpose that's larger than our current point of view. Above all, giving thanks acknowledges that God is still God, supreme sovereign of the universe, the provider of every good gift, we are reminded that above, below, behind, and beside all things, God is our source of life and love. God is larger than our successes and failures alike and, and has been pleased, pleased to inflate our lungs and set us on our path such as it is. The Apostle Paul admonished his friends to give thanks in all circumstances, naming the fundamental spiritual discipline in all circumstances, good and bad alike. Circumstances can be fickle. Thanksgiving remains constant. Gathering in worship helps us to remember this. <clears throat> I've noted over the years of our service in desperately poor communities here in the U.S. and around the world that authentic gratitude was never a function of how much one had. It was instead an appreciation of the miracle of life and community embedded with a deep and lively faith in a God who will not forget God's people, a la Isaiah from our first reading. I still have a very vivid memory from several decades ago when we visited a Liberian refugee camp in Accra, Ghana. 
Tears spontaneously streamed down my face when I realized I had not really understood the meaning of authentic gratitude, how deep its wellspring in the joy of these people who had nothing. Somehow they knew they were the work of God's hands, like clay in the hands of the potter, and they were grateful. Not for us. They weren't especially grateful for us. We were just visiting at the time. No, it was simply an aspect of their existence. We've seen that effect repeated wherever we've managed to extend a hand, from weather-wrecked hurricane survivors along the Gulf Coast, to the poor and displaced in Cartagena, Colombia, to the families of Nido de Esperanza in Washington Heights. This organic human feeling of gratitude that gurgles up from deep inside of us is the primordial religious impulse. It is the originating urge to look up towards the cosmos in awe and wonder. My, it generates an instinctive thanksgiving. Power and wealth can have a dampening effect on this innate spiritual insight. And while I would not wish material poverty on anyone, I would yearn for all of us at some point to experience profound thanksgiving, completely free of any encumbrance. I tell you, it would knock your socks off. We cannot authentically love without a foundation of thanksgiving. And this thanksgiving isn't dependent upon perfect circumstance or behavior. In fact, sometimes we're learning it requires a crisis to strip us down to the essential ingredients of what matters most, right down into the heart of gratitude. On the first Sunday of Advent, we're reminded that Jesus' birth did not happen in the citadels of Imperial Rome, but in a smelly cattle shed in a backwater town, not an obvious choice for a supposed king. But great thanksgiving will have its foundational role on the occasion of an unwed pregnant teenager giving birth to a beautiful boy. The scriptures tell us that the heavens themselves will rejoice in the news. And so it has always been under every manner of circumstance. Advent arrives awakening us to the most important matters despite current conditions. That's how our gospel passage ended with Jesus admonishing his friends concerning their present moment. What I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. I'm thinking that whether we're 8 or 88, this is a time for standing on tiptoe in hopeful anticipation of the new thing God intends to accomplish. Don't be misled by current conditions into believing there's nothing new under the sun, no hopeful word for our present moment. Join me in the righteous prayer Isaiah exclaimed to God you heard earlier, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Hope is a child of thanksgiving, as certainly as Jesus comes to set us free. We're meant to join him in his project, to organize our lives and our commitments as though we're already citizens of God's kingdom of grace. That's the task at hand. That defines the character of Christ's church 
2.0. We're getting ready to launch as the new year comes round. In the meantime, get ready. Stay awake.